Hey guys, welcome to our Disney market mini series here at the short term show. Make sure you like and subscribe. We're doing a 10 episode deep dive on not only this market, but all of our markets. So definitely check those out, like and subscribe to those the short term show short term rental management show. We got a lot of shows out there for you guys that hopefully uh, you guys are finding helpful. So uh, a couple things that I want to hit before we go into it is if you are looking for current purchase prices or current income numbers, we have those on our website at the shorttermshop.com. So be sure to check that out. Also, if you're looking to just hang out, learn some things from some other short-term rental investors, we've got you. You can join our Facebook group with us and 60,000 of our closest investor friends where we just hang out and talk about short-term rental investing all day. Same title as my book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Also like and subscribe on YouTube to the Short-Term Shop channel. Also like us on Instagram at the Short-Term Shop. If you guys have any questions, if you're ready to maybe buy a property in one of our 20 markets and learn how to manage it from us for free, you can hit us at agents at the shorttermshop.com or literally any of the other avenues that I gave you right before that. So let's get to it. Here we go. All right. Episode six, uh, Orlando. Of the short term show, and we are talking about financing today. And we do have a licensed MLO on the call, Mr. Johnny. Uh, and we will talk about uh, all different types of lending. Um, and, uh, and of course, from the noobs' perspective, and of course, really the most popular loan product out there is going to be, you know, kind of your conventional loan, Fannie Freddie. Um, so, Johnny, can you walk me through uh, what what you know what what is Fannie Freddie? What is a conventional loan, and and what type of buyer would be looking to use that? Yeah, so Fannie Freddies are um, they're investors, right? They buy loans uh, from banks, from brokers, from uh, all over the place, right? Mostly lenders, and uh, they come in and they they insure the loans, right? So as long as you follow their guidelines and their uh, uh, requirements, then you'll be able to go ahead and qualify for, uh, it's basically your conventional loans, right? All your conventional loans. Um, and so of course they have like, you know, income qualification to, uh, you know, credit qualification, all the, all of those different things. And you can come in with, uh, a couple of different types of products that people like to use, uh, for a vacation home. Of course, there's a 10% down product, uh, people like to use that product to be able to get you know into their first uh, short-term rental, um, and then there's a uh, 15% down um, investment products. Of course, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac they guarantee up to a loan amount of like currently as of uh, as of today, right? They're moving towards the uh, $750,000 uh, max loan amount. Anything beyond that would be considered jumbo and uh, not under the Fannie Freddie uh, guidelines. Um, so that's that's kind of how that works. Um, debt to income ratio, you can kind of expect, you know, a 50 percent debt to income ratio. Um, and, um, you know, of course, you know, your down payments, the, the 10 to 15 percent. I think that kind of covers uh, your conventional type products. It is a second home loan at 10 percent. Is that conventional? Yes. Yes. OK. And what is a second home loan? And uh, and. Can I use it for rental? Yeah. So for for each lender is going to be a little bit different on the second home vacation type product. Um, for uh, us at the mortgage shop, we allow you to use it as a rental. But when you're qualifying, you actually have to qualify in your own income, right? So you won't be able to use any of the rental income to qualify for the second home. However, uh, 
as long as you're staying there a minimum of 14 plus days out of the year and on your tax filings, you're filing it as a, like a owner occupied plus uh, rental, then you should be you should be fine to use a second home product with us here at the mortgage shop. And um, yeah, I think it's a it's a pretty pretty easy way to enter into uh, the business. So you can rent it out um, the rest of the time when you're not utilizing it as your vacation home. How far away does your vacation home have to be from your? So project? usually we we like to give it a like um, 50 mile radius uh, is kind of what we would anticipate. And it has to be, you know, further away from your your current home. Anything that's too close to your home would be considered investment property because you live you know, really close by. However, if it happens to be that, you know, li you live in a. Uh, um, let's say, for example, a beach market and you want to buy in the Disney area, then um, even if it's like 25 miles out, uh, we might be able to go ahead and do that as a second home because it's a totally different environment. Okay. And so, yeah, it, it there's exceptions to the rules, right? But uh, we like to say 50 mile radius is probably going to be your best case scenario. Well, DSCR, that's all the rage these days. Days, uh, what the hell is a DSCR loan and, and who, who would want to use such a thing? DSCR loans are loans where we don't income qualify you. We use the income from the specific property to qualify itself. Now, you still have to have the down payment. Usually the down payments are higher. We're seeing somewhere around 20 to 25 percent uh, down payment required. Um, rates are going to be a little bit higher. There's going to be prepaying penalties. Um, folks that will use it are typically folks that either can't prove their income um, and are making pretty good income. Like, for example, real estate investors, typically you have all of your money involved inside of each transaction that you have going on, all of your, your portfolio. So uh, your cash flow might not look positive on your tax returns. However, the, there's a likelihood that you are actually cash flowing really, really well, but we can't prove it from a document standpoint. You would be using the DSCR. Or if you, you know, started a new job, like, and you went uh, commission base or self-employment base, um, when you're doing that, then of course you're you're going to want to come in and do a DSCR. Um, the DSCRs allows you, like I said, 20-25% uh, down, as long as you have decent FICO scores, um, you can come in. Sometimes people come in and they use uh, the DSCRs to be able to uh, have their properties closed in an LLC. Um, all of those folks would be the, the type of people that would be using DSCRs. And so then for DSCRs, what we typically require is that um, the property makes uh, a monthly income that will cover for their principal interest taxes and insurance payment. And so as long as they're covering for the PITI um, as well as the HOA dues, right, then um, they'll likely qualify uh, if that property can make that type of income. Now, how we determine that income is... Uh, a couple of different ways. We have uh, the 1007, right? So the 1007 is a form that the appraisers will complete and they'll, uh, they'll review the, the area for the uh, similar types of properties and what they're making from a rental perspective. Um, and then they'll do an analysis and they'll send that in. So wherever that income comes in at, based on what the appraisers say, that's what we utilize. Now, uh, there are other DSCRs that do not utilize that process. And what they'll do is they'll do a analysis through AirDNA as well as their own analysis on Airbnb, VRBO, and uh, do a manual calculation to determine where the income is going to lie. And uh, usually in the Orlando market, that's probably the, the route that we prefer to go is to go ahead and do the DSCRs where they allow us to use AirDNA. 
Is it, uh, would I rather use a conventional loan if I can, uh, or, or maybe not? Yeah, I, I think, I think you would just because of the prepayment penalties, right? I mean, it's going to depend on your specific scenario. Um, if you got good money down, like if you got, let's say 25% down and you have, um, your income qualifies from a conventional perspective and you're buying in, uh, underneath that loan amount of, you know, 750, then, uh, I would go ahead and say that you would probably want to, to do it as a conventional because there's no prepayment penalty. The rates are going to be lower. The points are going to be lower and you're probably going to be better off moving that direction. Uh, is there another option besides ZSCR for over 750? Uh, yeah. So we have jumbo loans, right? So jumbo loans are similar to that of conventional. Uh, a lot of the lenders out there that do jumbo loans uh, normally uh, underwrite it based on Fannie Mae's guidelines. Um, and so anything above that, um, you are able to do a second home uh, 10% down if the rates allow it, right? Currently, rates aren't really allowing for it, which means um, the the interest rate charge is too expensive for us to be able to charge as a lender. We have uh, federal requir requirements that only allow us to charge up to approximately like 3%. Um, so if points are going to be costing, uh, over 6%, then you have to have a seller pay for the closing costs, uh, for those, the difference in points for you to be able to qualify. And so it's still possible. It's just, uh, it, it's a little bit more difficult and challenging to do. Um, if you had 20% down and you want to come in and do a jumbo, typically rates are going to be just fine. So, um, you can definitely do loan amounts above that with a similar, uh style of underwrite as conventional of course the the debt to income ratio is going to be different um the debt to income ratio is 45 percent on the jumbo loans and so as long as you qualify i think that that's typically a pretty good route too okay wonderful um let's talk commercial loans i know johnny that's not what you do um I, i've used several of them so I'll, I'll kind of give that speech a little bit a commercial loan is is generally when we go to a local bank uh, it's also sometimes you re hear it referred to as a portfolio loan. And again, I'm no expert on the subject, but that's where I do most of my lending these days. Um, is because uh, again, eventually you're going to run out of conventional loans. You get ten per person, uh, twenty. You know, if you're married, you get ten each. Um, but uh, uh, you know, you keep going down this road, and uh, you might run out of them. And that's a good th good problem to have. And and I know that sounds crazy when you're first starting, but believe me. Uh, it, uh, it I, man, I look back and I'm like, damn, it, those things were gone quick, you know? Um, so then eventually you get into commercial loans, uh, or maybe you go straight into them right out of the gate. It depends on your appetite and, and, uh, I guess your financial standing and that type of thing. But usually what that means is you're going to call a local bank. I usually like a bank that has, you know, maybe eight to 15 branches somewhere in that size of a bank is ideal for me personally. Uh, once they get bigger than that, they usually don't even want to deal with, you know, single family homes. Um, so, uh, and then basically, I mean, really for lack of a better way to put it, what they're doing is lending you the money out of their clients, their, their savings accounts. And, uh, your, your job is to go out there and make more money with it for, make more money for the bank and for the people whose money that you're, you're borrowing. Now, you know, nobody really thinks of it that way. I don't think somebody going in there to drop hundred thousand dollars into a savings account is thinking about this crazy guy with long hair and tattoos going out and using that money in rental real estate, but that's kind of how it works. Um, and, uh, and they're going to qualify you based on, uh, it's, it's where DSDR that term comes from is where the conventional uh, commercial loans, that's what they do. They do it based on debt service. 
In other words, how much is it going to make versus how much is it going to cost? It's really as simple as that, you know? Um, and, uh, the terms are not nearly as good on, on con, uh, commercial loans. It's usually going to be a 20 year AM, a uh, five year, a five year fixed uh, or variable rate for on a 20 year AM, which means it's, it's uh, basically you're paying it as if it's a 20 year note, but you only get it for five years. And at the end of five years, you really usually got to basically just rene renegotiate for lack of a better way to put it. Um, but it's, it's a great, it's, it's a great option. It really is. Um, I got a, f a few buddies that have always done those, never even bothered with uh, conventional. I don't know why you wouldn't start with conventional at least, or save those, those conventionals for like really big purchases. And maybe, maybe you want to do commercial for some smaller stuff in the early days, that kind of thing. But, uh, one more thing on that people at the commercial lender, the, the person you're talking to has no idea how conventional loans work. And the conventional loan people generally have no idea how commercial loans work. They're completely different worlds, different animals. Uh, they both have their place. I guess for uh, lack of a better way, you know, just to kind of throw this out there, commercial loans are maybe more for people that are a little more experienced. I hate to say that because you could definitely start with commercial loans. Um, but uh, it's generally the folks that have been doing rental real estate for a really long time or have a ton of properties that's kind of generally where you're going to see people using commercial loans. Uh, I got a couple of things if, if you don't Yeah, go mind. ahead, Johnny. Yeah, so we, we do have a couple of like commercial products. Um, they're uh, they're they're very different. They're they're day and night from the the conventionals. Uh, how they get underwritten is totally different. When they come in, it's not like you like for conventional and for uh, you know your normal residential type loans. You kind of have an idea of what you're going into, um, but for the commercial stuff, uh, you don't know until the the committee has looked at it, right? So you have to send the deal in. We will do and like we'll take a look at everything to see if it's going to be okay. Typically, you need like thirty percent down for our products, and then um, each one's a little bit different. It's like Luke was saying was that the terms are different. They're typically balloons, right? And we have a I think a three year, a five year, and a ten year balloon. Um, interest rates are whatever it is that the committee decides, and so. You're not going to know right off the bat where like you can, you on a residential, you can quote rates right away um, on commercial. Sometimes you can't. Um, we can give you a general idea of where they're going to be at. Um, like I just checked the other day with one of my clients and um, it was like uh, around eight percent, around eight percent. And um, the thought is, is that if you can get into it, it's great. What's cool about commercials is that you can uh, you can uh, blanket uh, properties. Right. So if you got multiple different properties, they allow you to, you know, do it on uh, do one loan on multiple different properties. So you're not paying closing costs on a bunch of different ones. But uh, there is, I think, uh, it, it's a it's a cool product, but it's you know it's it's very different from that of the regular uh, residential loans. Well, when we when we have a client or we recommend you to a client and they call you. Do you go over all of these options with them? Or if they're like, hey, I just want a 10% down loan, or do you like what what is the process if I'm a new buyer calling you? Will you yeah, go you, over all of this in detail with me? Uh, like we typically don't go over every single thing. It just gonna it's gonna depend on what you're looking for, right? If you come in and you're saying, I just want to buy a single family home, and like this is gonna be my first one, we're gonna try to do conventional first, right? Um, right off the bat, just because you know the it, it's going to be easier. It's not as complicated. There's no balloon on it. There's no uh, prepaying penalty. 
Um, it, it's an easy process. Most people are used to it because they already currently own a home. And so the, the process is a little bit easier for them. Now, if you come in and you come in, like there's, there's some clients that they come in and they already have like 20 different properties, right? And th they're asking, okay, so what can I, what can I do to get financing? We all have to take a look at all the different options and say, okay, so here's the, uh, the best options and we'll give them the best three options and then they can take a look at, you know, which direction they want to go. Also want to add the com com uh, the commercial loans that I was talking about. A lot of times probably might not work for short term. It's, uh, it depends on the bank. A lot of times they're not going to really even understand what you're talking to them about, you know, because they are typically pretty, pretty old fashioned, um, these local banks and they might be well, Airbnb. What, what is that? You know, they're, they, they are very conservative, uh, for the most part. So keep that in mind. Um, if, if that was something you would be, uh, uh, looking to do. Uh, so, you know, a lot of buzzwords out there, a lot of, uh, cool new hip stuff going on. It quite frankly makes me feel kind of old and I'm going to lean on Wade for this one. Cause I know he's a little bit younger. And I think a lot of these, uh, these things that we're about to talk about might not apply too much to vacation towns because we are talking in general, some, you know, more expensive type properties and, I think generally the, the, the sellers are probably not going to be interested in doing most, uh, some of this stuff for the most part. And also, you know, a buyer to go out and buy a $900,000 house, you, you gotta be a pretty qualified buyer, but, but let's talk about, uh, uh, uh well, let's, let's start with sub sub two, which is super hot. Um, I personally, I, I don't really know all that much about it. Wade, I know you're in a couple of deals uh, right now. Can you kind of Give us a rundown on how that works. Yeah. So um, sub two, if no one's familiar with this, is essentially a taking over payments option. You're, you take over the payments of the original owner of the home. Now, there's a little bit more to it than that. You're not just like, oh, I'll take over your payments and the home is mine now. No, it's not exactly how it works. There's a little bit more to it. Um, but you are taking over the payments of that person, and usually you'll also give them some sort of capital as well. So you take over the benefits, and then you'll pay them some sort of difference in the purchase. So if the home's worth two hundred k, and there's a loan on it for a hundred thousand dollars, so you're there's a hundred k, you take over the hundred k that's financed, and then you are then giving air quotes giving another hundred k to the original owner of the property for a total of $200,000. Um, now there's other ways to finance that that total. You can sell or finance part of it, um, maybe do a balloon, something like that. There's other ways to do it, but that's generally the scope of what sub two is. I'm old fashioned. I, my, my way is just to work hard, save up some cash and go get a damn loan, you know? So this, uh, and I'm not saying this won't work, uh, but go ahead, uh, Wade, what, what you had another point there? Well, I was going to lead into, it is a really difficult deal to find. Um, we see a lot of people pushing it right now. They're phenomenal deals, especially if you can get great terms on them. They're excellent. But in traditional Airbnb markets, especially ones that have appreciated to the point to where the homes are physically more expensive, where if you were to go five miles away to a residential district, um, the residential homes are much cheaper because they're not standard short-term rentals. Um, and so when you're in a short-term rental market, a lot of the owners there are professional investors. Some of them are hedge funds. Some of them are international owners, um, things like that. They're not interested in these creative finance deals because they're trying to get their money and they're trying to go buy another property. So yes. I will say in a lot of markets, we happen to have a couple that have come up here and we happen to be very familiar with um, these types of deals. 
but they're very, very hard to source and locate in traditional Airbnb markets. So just be prepared for that. If you're trying to do a creative deal, um, definitely try, but also be uh, on on your toes because you're probably going to get shot down a little bit. Right? I've probably made over, um, over I would say over 250 offers now of some sort of creative finance um, thing, just something creative. And we've successfully closed three. That's not me. That's all my buyers put together, including myself. And so three out of 250 is, and two of them, I was on the selling side. So, <laughs> so um, it's, it's a hard deal to come by in a uh, Airbnb market. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we, we pretty much covered this as well, but a little deeper on seller financing. Uh, that's that's a term that we didn't hear at all for a number of years, and but it is uh, starting to come back around. Uh, one thing I want to note about seller finance is that the seller would need to own the property outright. They are the bank, basically. If there's a middleman on a seller finance, that's not going to work. So you know, we see a lot of people that say, "Well, can you just ask the seller if he'll seller finance it to me?" Which again, to me, that sounds like it's a buyer that can't get a loan. I hate to say that, but I I've been in those shoes, man. I've been in those shoes where I couldn't get a loan, and guess what I did. I worked my rear end off and I went and figured out how to get a damn loan, you know? Um, but I get it. You know, don't take no for an answer. Be shot out of a cannon. I get that. But just be advised that seller finance, there's a reason they're doing that. You know, they, they want to get juiced, you know, they want, um, uh, something out of you and, and it can work. Uh, it's really rare in a property that we're talking about in this, you know, $500,000 plus range. Uh, you guys ever invo been involved in a seller finance deal in in all of your uh, transactions? No, lots lots of attempts as well, but no, um, never never succeeded. No, yeah. they're hard. They're hard. Yeah, yeah. And people, I think, uh, confuse the term subject to and seller financing all the time together a lot, you know, and so yeah. that makes it a little bit difficult. So it's again just uh, knowledge and figuring things out and having a good team. There also, usually needs to be attorneys and other people involved as well. Also, it, it is a very, um, I don't want to say American ideal, but it's something that's very uh, uh, here in the States. Um, internationally, we have a, a huge amount of international owners as well. They think, I sell my home, I get my money, which is very mm -hmm. common. Um, a lot of them don't have the... Uh, um, just like the education in terms of seller financing or sub two. So being able to find a seller who's open to those new, new types of financing can also be difficult. So yeah, right. a uh, lot of our market sellers are foreign. So imagine living in another country mm -hmm. and hoping to get money monthly from somebody. It can be difficult. It's, it's really difficult And hedge funds, large, large uh, owners here who might have like 15 properties. They, they, Usually they want to sell and go invest elsewhere. So it's difficult. Now, shoot your shot. It's definitely an excellent way to get a deal, but be prepared for that difficult uh, uphill struggle. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a tough one. Financing. Uh, Johnny, can you cover uh, refinance? Uh, Who would be a candidate for that? HELOCs, HELOans, et cetera. What do those terms mean? So, yeah. So um, <clears throat> refinancing is uh, typically pretty good um, when you can go out there and you can get you know financing from your primary residence, which... The lower uh, the the interest rates are going to be lower on uh, primary financing. Uh, you can go out there and you can get additional funds. Let's say you have a ton of equity in your current home, your primary home, uh, and you can take out let's say twenty five percent of whatever the the equity is. Let's say a hundred thousand dollars, right? You're able to take out a hundred thousand dollars. You're going to be able to use it towards uh, the other property um, or the, purchasing a new property. Uh, it, it works out pretty well if you can do a refinance. Um, in addition to that, if you uh, if you bought a 
uh, a home and you fixed it up and you got it to where you you created a value add to the property and the values are higher now, you can come back and do a refinance or you can go and, and do a burr method and pick up another property, right? Um, when it comes to HELOCs and HELONs, right now the interest rates are pretty high. Um, uh, back then, when the interest rate was much lower, you can jump in, get uh, a line of credit, right, a home equity line of credit, and be able to utilize it kind of like a credit card. As you pay it off, you can reuse the the line of credit to purchase uh, other different properties. Um, and the only thing is, is that you got to make sure that, you know, you you qualify, you, you know, talk to your loan officer, make sure you qualify with both the new payment and the home equity payment, right? Uh, now, home equity loans is just a second loan, right? Just It's like the home equity line of credit. They're both second loans, second mortgages that are put onto your uh, your property. However, uh, home equity loans functions just like a normal loan, right? Once you obtain it, they give you a lump sum at the beginning and you make monthly payments on it uh, throughout the rest of the uh, the transaction, right? Whether that be 30 years or, or less, um, whatever it is that you are able to get that for. Um, people used to use it because, you know, it, it was easy to get. Um, it didn't cost as much as a true refinance. Um, you can jump in, get the banks to pay for the appraisals. And uh, uh, but however, right now it's a little bit more difficult, right? It's a little bit more difficult. I'm seeing rates above the eight and a half percent. Sometimes you can find a deal where you can find a credit union that might be able to uh, give you a standard rate for one or two years or something like that. And if they can do that, then of course the the rate's going to be a little bit cheaper than the the standard rate. But eventually, it's going to go up. Now, my thoughts are is that we are uh, inching towards the the top of the interest rates, and so we're hoping to see interest rates come down next year. And if the the cool thing about home equity loans and uh, home equity lines of credit is that as the interest rates drop, typically so does your uh, monthly payment, right? So as long as it's um, it's uh, still a variable rate out there, it'll, it'll drop. So I think that that kind of covers what it is. It, it is all equity within your home, right? That's same with refinances. You want to get, if you want to do a cash out refinance, um, you want that equity in your home to be able to pull it out, utilize it, make some more money on it, right? Um, so you're able to do that through doing refinances, uh, home equity loans, and uh, home equity lines of credit. Um, I do want to touch on rate term refinances. Rate term refinances are refinances that you would just um, do a refinance on your current home, uh, hopefully drop the interest rate. We're probably going to see more of that coming here in the next uh, year and a half in two years. Um, also want to add, if you're going to do a HELOC on your primary and use that for a down payment, please don't uh, run your numbers as the home, have the, the, the investment property paying that back. That's too much. I, honestly, I... I we're not really in an environment where I feel comfortable doing that anyway right now, but it does happen occasionally. So if you're going to do that, I would personally, I, I don't know that I would do it, but if it was going to happen, I would make sure that you're paying that back, at least on paper uh, from your day job money. Now, the money that's coming in from the property, I, I would be throwing all that fuel on the fire and get that HELOC paid off as quickly as possible. That thing needs to go away. But every now and then I get somebody that calls, look, I got this house and I can't, I'm not making any money. Uh, and I'm and I'm like, well, let's run your numbers. What's your PITI? And they throw me this crazy huge PITI. I'm like, that's not your. There's no way that's your PITI. And they're well, I got a HELOC in there too. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. Um, you know, you you got if you if you're gonna do it that way, which I don't recommend, but if you're going to, I would you know again talk to your financial advisor, your attorney. I can't give you any kind of uh, advice, but 
make sure that you can pay that HELOC back with your day job or other investments or whatever else. And and again, like I said, I'm throw, I'm throwing everything I've got at that thing. Get rid of it. Um, and that's all why you HELOC because you can reuse it. Um, but again, if you're using it for down payments, could take you a while to pay that back. Be conservative. All right. Anything else uh, to add? Anybody have anything to add on on uh, lending in general? There's a couple of products out there that we didn't talk about. And those are like bank statement loans and uh, uh, profit and loss loans. Um, those loans are portfolio type loans, right? That uh, different uh, lending institutions provide. Um, if you don't have the ability like to, to show your income uh, because you haven't had it, like a, like for, for example, it's just not on your tax returns, right? And you're self-employed. You can go do a bank statement loan. Uh, as long as you have a two-year history of the bank statements, they'll analyze, you know, the bank statements and the expenses that you comes out of the bank statement and do an income calculation based off of the bank statement loans, right? So those are uh, those are pretty good for uh, self-employed people. And then same with the um, uh, profit and loss type loans. If you have uh, just started your self-employment uh, business and you've got a year in, but you don't have that two-year history that conventional financing requires, then you can come in and you can do a PL loan as long as your CPA can produce a profit and loss for 12 months. We're able to go ahead and uh, take a look at that and do that as well. Now, those two products typically require 20% down. So uh, get ready for the, you know, the heftier uh, down payment, but they are out there, right? So, um, you know, touch base with your loan officers. Maybe they know a little bit uh, more about the specific products. Love it. All right. Thank you guys so much. Uh, we shall return for yet another episode of the Short Term Show special episodes uh, in Orlando momentarily. Uh, we thank you so much and, uh, and uh, don't overthink it.